Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Golter. Talk about this uh, Montana football hour. You have put together, it's a great list uh, there at uh, SkylineSportsMT.com. Here's the one thing I want to know, because I got a number of questions here to ask you about this. But just in general, you've covered this. Now, this is your first full decade of being a full-time sort of Big Sky Conference journalist covering the thing, okay? Doing it for 10 full years. You know all these kids and teams better than anybody. But when you went back and revisited this stuff for yourself, was there anything that you were like, oh, wow, I, I had forgotten this or I'm surprised by this, even though you were there in the moment? Or you go back and you compile these lists and you go, my goodness, I, I, I hadn't considered this about, you know, these teams when you're putting this together. Interesting question. I think that the, the list for Montana State, so I had four different stories because this was a lot of information yeah. to put together. I mean, you're talking about selecting... You did offensive defense, right? Offensive and defensive guys, yep. And, you know, for example, like I named fullbacks for both teams, even though neither Montana or Montana State has operated with any sort of fullback really at all. I mean, there's not really been two back sets at either school hardly at all Mm -hmm. the last couple years. But, you know, a guy like Dan Moore for the Grizz, he was very memorable, even though his production, like at his best, his production was outstanding, but he was hurt most of his career. So he only rushed for about 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns in his career. But some of the highlights that Dan Moore produced are unforgettable. I mean, his his rumble and stumble and touchdown run in the Cat Chris game in 2011 from 47 yards out. I don't think anybody thought that 250-pound Dan Moore was going to show that kind of speed. <laughs> or when he caught the screen pass and hurdled the guy at App State and went 87 yards of the house to start the season the next year. I mean, those are unforgettable moments. And like Trey Robinson, a guy at Montana State who was a two-time captain and an undeniable leader of the program, he was always the number two back behind Cody Kirk, even though he's a Nebraska transfer who had Big 12 talent coming out of high school. 
but he, his impact on the program was sort of immeasurable. And then, you know, for like the Cats at wide receiver, I only had three wide receivers on my Grizz team. I made a fourth spot on the Cat team because it was so hard for me to discern between Mitch Herbert, who had great individual success, and honestly, a guy like Kevin Cassis from Montana State this last year. He played his way onto this all-decade team the last eight games of his senior year. I mean, he, he was a big play, highlight reel catch waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. In, in a system that did not cater to the wide receiver at all. And don't look yeah. now, but the kid was a four-year starter who played with a bunch of quarterbacks who most people would say are not elite at all, the opposite of elite, and he still finished in the top four in school history in catches, yards, and touchdowns. Yeah, not elite as throwers. Yeah, right. So... Uh, I made I made a couple concessions there in terms of the traditional lineup, but I thought that I'd say the two things that I learned or that I got from these lists were one, I think making the Grizz list shows you twofold. One, the positions that Montana has always been able to and will continue to always be able to recruit elite talent at. Namely, the wide receivers were outstanding this decade. Yeah, that that was the part where, I mean, Sammy Kim was a guy that I was really thinking about maybe Izzy up on the list, and eventually I didn't get there. He was like my number one honorable mention. But you look at the linebackers. I mean, there was all sorts of first-team, all-conference, all-American type guys. I mean, a guy like Josh Buss was a two-time All-American, and he did not make the all-decade team yeah. for us at Skyline Sports. He was probably right there at number five. But I just couldn't put him above Jordan Tripp, Brock Coyle, Caleb McSurdy and Dante Olson. I mean, yeah. three out of the four of those guys were league MVPs. They're all All-American type players. And some might argue, well, Josh Buss was a first-team All-League guy. Brock Coyle never was. And that's an interesting discussion I want to have with you is how much do we do we let play into? Well, first of all, I think that the other thing that you, you learn is a lot of times you have to sparse through the All-League stuff. And you, you are going to put some recency and some proximity bias into it. But... If you watched Brock Coyle play the second half of his senior year, he was a first-team All-League guy, and he didn't get first-team All-League when he was a senior because J.P. Kanagata and Jordan Tripp both did for Montana. They stole votes from him, basically. And the inside linebackers that year were Todd Davis, who still starts for the Denver Broncos, and Zach Browning, who was the newcomer of the year in the league that year. But you know, in retrospect... Brock Coyle probably deserved it over Zach Browning when he was when he was a sophomore. Yeah, and then you know on the Montana State side of things, anywhere that watched Alex Singleton, almost good catch. Yeah, anywhere that watched Alex Singleton play his junior and senior year knows that he's one of the great linebackers in the state of Montana, either side. And now uh, on the active roster for the Philadelphia Eagles, that's bearing out. But he got the worst snub I've ever seen for all all league stuff when he was a junior. He had 130 tackles. He blocked like four kicks. I mean, he was. In the backfield, all over the place. I mean, he had, I think he led the country in solo tackles that year and got honorable mention all league. So sometimes you got to parse through that stuff. But, you know, I think that it showed the specifically the positions that these two schools have always been able to recruit at running back, linebacker, the, the spots we've talked about in terms of the, the stuff that Montana is going to give you, but also the way that you know, some of the most consistent figures in the league have developed players, guys like Ty Gregorak at Montana and and then at Montana State, Kane Ione at Montana State. I mean, those guys, it's no mistake that those guys are the veteran coaches that have been at the schools or been in, in the mix in this state for a decade plus, and they had a hand in coaching these guys. And I think the last thing that was surprising, when you really put it on paper, we've talked ad nauseum about the downgrade in offensive line play, particularly at the University of Montana. And when you go through these lists, there were some there's some good guys, definitely. 
but no one that was like the elite players like the Grizz had in the in the 2000s. I mean, if you were picking the 2000s offensive line, you have 15 candidates that were all unbelievable players. Yeah. Like guys that went on to play in the NFL for years and guys that were outstanding, outstanding offensive linemen. Whereas there was not an interior offensive lineman for the Grizzlies between 2010 and 2019 that earned first-team All-League honors. Yeah. None. I mean, Cy Sermon was my number two center. Cy Sermon just had a great senior year, but it was the only year he ever played center in his whole career. Right. And he got second-team <laughs> All-League honors. Great for him. Right. But... I mean, man, there was one and done. I mean, at the there was position. really no competition. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kelby Oyland, a guy who came in as a defensive line transfer, a very similar story to Cy Sermon. He played D line, ironically, for Bobby Halk at UNLV, came to Montana, and then played center. It's the same model that they use with Cy Sermon here. Is just a different coaching staff that switched Oyland to center, but he yeah. ended up making my all league team, even though he only played the position at or my all decade team. Excuse me, even though he only played the position of center for two years. So I think that it's revelatory in terms of where it shows you the strengths that these programs have really had over the last several years, and also some of the weaknesses. It's two tell Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Uh, when you're picking these teams. There's only one way for it to be easy, and that's like left tackle for Montana State, where there's two guys who are like four-year starters, back-to-back years, basically making up the decade, and done deal. But it's hard to pick positions, either if there's a dearth of guys, which means there was maybe you know six, seven, eight guys playing the same position, or, to your point, linebacker at Montana, there's so many great players... That it's you know where where do you where where is the cutoff going to come? But to you, what were the positions that were hardest to pick? Man, I, I thought that the offensive line for the Cats was pretty cut and dry. Like you said, yeah. John Widener and, and Mitch brought with a little splice of Dylan Mahoney in there. That was the only tackles they really had. Right. You know. Um, but I thought defensively, I thought the D lines were surefire as well, uh, with the exception of the second defensive tackle spot. But I think everybody in the world that would make a team, an all-decade team for these two schools would pick Caleb Schreibeis and Brad Daly, the two Buck Buchanan Award winners, as your ends for Montana State, and Zach Minter, a first-team All-American at D-Tackle. And I think that it's pretty hard to argue Tyrone Holmes and Zach Wagaman as the ends for Montana. I mean, they're the two leading sack guys in the history of the school. Yep. So, I mean, those guys, surefire. Yep. Caleb Kidder, maybe you have a little bit of wavering on the D-tackle because he did play DN his senior year, but I talked to... Uh, I, I, this wasn't just myself and my brother. I had reached out to some guys that were current and former coaches. Uh, Sean Rainey at SWX Montana, he went over my list, too, and, and put, gave me some feedback. Kyle Sample, who used to work for me at Skyline Sports, he gave me some feedback on the Grizz. I ran you know, my Montana State list by Bill Lamberty at Montana State, the sports information director, so that we had some feedback from, from other spots. A little bit of peer review. Right. But I think that the the interesting part is that the spot that was hardest to pick in terms of the most good players was linebacker at Montana. No question. We considered 10 guys for four spots. And when you're leaving guys like J.P. JP Conangata and Jeremiah Kose, who played professional football in the CFL, guys like Josh Buss, who pr- almost certainly would have played pro football, if not for injuries. Yeah, if he would have chosen to or, yeah, if right. he'd been able to. Right. Um, that I, Those are... are more, let's say, appealing arguments where, where you're you're trying to you're you're picking between a whole bunch of really great guys and the guys that are getting left out are still really really good. Whereas then when we were picking the secondary at Montana, Tremaine Johnson, that's another area where it was just very revealing the step back that Montana had taken. If you look at the 2000s, 
Think of just the war you'd have at safety. Whether it's Vince Huntsberger, two-time Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, or Trey Young, a Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, or Colt Anderson and Shan Schillinger, who both got drafted, to Eric Stoll, who was an amazing player who kind of lived in those guys' shadows before taking over in 2010, I mean, that would be a huge battle. When you look at running back last decade for the Grizz, guys like Chase Reynolds, Justin Green, and Lex Hilliard. But in the Montana secondary from this last decade, it's Tremaine Johnson, absolutely no doubt about it. But then the other quarterback spot... We were just kind of flipping a coin between a whole bunch of solid, but not necessarily unbelievable Hall of Fame type guys. We ended up going with Nate Harris because he was the guy that had the longest um, contribution of success. I mean, he was a three-time All-Big Sky pick, even though he was honorable mention, honorable mention, and third team. But there was no other guy that was higher than third team in the secondary, with the exception of Matt Hermerson in his senior year, 2014. He got first team as a safety. But the corners, I mean, Houston Roots, uh, Anthony Chief Goodwin, um, Josh Denard, J.R. Nelson, Ryan McKinley. Those guys are all pretty good players, right. but, but they're not Tremaine Johnson. Well, no one is. No shame there. But, but yeah, I, I get your. I, I, so, I see your point. So yeah. I guess that there's two different ways of talking about mm-hmm. who was the hardest spots to pick. When, when you're deciding between 10 candidates, that's a lot more fun to me mm-hmm. than trying to find worthy candidates. And that's kind of how it was with the interior offensive line and the defensive secondary, especially with the Grizz. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. When you look at these two teams and and, and, and the way it shook out for the all-decade stuff, if you want to debate which de- all-decade team you think is the better of the two, you're certainly welcome to you know say that. But I- I'm interested in what does what does the all-decade team say about the state of these programs as it's been for the past ten years and and as it is now presently. And there's uh, there's you can certainly overread into something like that, but also the difference from the tw- 2000 to 2010. Offensive line, the University of Montana, and and where where you would have ha- been having to cut guys off, yes, as opposed to having really good players, but that's the list and that's all, um, is is telling. And look, totally. it's, it's not it is not a story that nobody you know is a surprise to anybody. But when you look at that uh, that spot, those spots, and the things that Montana has been able to do well historically or not as well recently, or vice versa. 
places where they've excelled maybe recently that they didn't before at one time or certainly have. I mean, the, the, the linebacking crew of those last 10 years, probably better than has ever been, or, you know, certainly arguably so uh, for the Grizzlies. And then the same question, obviously, for Montana State as well. But what, where, where do these, what do you think the import is from these all-decade teams to the present? It's a very interesting question because I think when you're talking about an all-decade team, you're the best guy or one of the one of the few best guys at your position over a 10-year span. Mm-hmm. Then that guy would automatically be associated as somebody you'd consider, you know, within the scope of what the lens we're looking through as a, a program legend, right? Like a guy that people are never going to forget. And when you look at the quarterbacks, like I don't think people are ever going to forget Jordan Johnson at Montana. Yep. And I don't think that people are ever going to forget Denarius McGee at Montana State. But then you look at running backs. People are never going to forget Cody Kirk at Montana State. But I'm not sure that people do remember a guy like Jordan Canada the way that they should. Right. I mean, Jordan Canada is fourth in school history in rushing yards. Yes. He just happened to come right on the heels of Chase Reynolds, who came right on the heels of Lex Hilliard and Justin Green, yep. all who went to the NFL. Yep. So people kind of forget that Jordan Canada, I mean, he was a 1,200-yard, 12-touchdown guy his senior year. I mean, he's got 3,500 rushing yards. He's not necessarily remembered with that same legendary status. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that there's certainly been some guys that have played there. Like there, there's guys that, I mean, Mitch Brott was on this team, and he's a, he's a guy that people will never forget at Montana State. Braden Conkle, same thing at, at safety. Um, but I think that especially if you were to compare and contrast this to that first decade of the 21st century, especially when you're looking at the Grizz, every guy that would make that team, I, I think – is a guy that you'd consider a quote-unquote program legend. Mm. And I just don't think that there were that to that point, but that's also reflected in the fact that, I mean, those guys played for four national championships. These two teams, never, none of them made it farther than the Final Four. Right. Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We're going to have Brody Greeby on here in about 10 minutes from now. He's a Montana State commit. Uh, he's from Milestone originally, but then went on to Choate Prep Academy in Connecticut. Uh, and is now returning to the state of Montana to play for the Bobcats, to play for Jeff Choate. Uh, so we'll look forward to having him. And again, at the top of the hour, Trey Flowers, Seahawk, uh, Seattle Seahawks cornerback Trey Flowers. Colter, how many guys are on the current rosters that are also on the team? And I'll include seniors that are graduating uh, right now. But but it, how, was there more... Was there a school that had more guys currently rostered that made the team ultimately? Well, so let's see. Montana State, Mitch brought on offense. How many underclassmen? None. One. Troy Anderson. Two. Troy Anderson at Montana State and Samari Touré at Montana. Mm. That's another thing I thought was revealing was just the 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 evolution of the game was very revealing in the statistics of the receivers. And honestly, the quarterback, too. I mean, Jordan Johnson, when he came back from his whole saga where he was suspended, then expelled, and put on trial, and eventually acquitted. That year he came back, he threw for about 3,500 yards. And, that, that I mean, that was the largest passing total, yardage passing total in this decade by a Montana quarterback. But Dalton Steed threatened that this year, even with missing games. Yep. But you look at, I mean, before this decade, I think there had been eight 1,000-yard receiving seasons in the history of the University of Montana. Samari Torrey broke Mark Mariani's single-season record this year. He had almost 1,500 yards receiving. Sammy Akim had back-to-back years of 900-plus yards, where so he was in kind of the top 15 range single season ever. I mean, Ellis Henderson made the team, and he was one of the only 1,000-yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had 1,000 yards when he was a sophomore. Yep. Jabal Jones 
had back-to-back 1,000 yards. So you're talking about five out of the 13,000-yard seasons in school history have come in the last 10 years. I think that's indicative of the state of the game and just how much more prevalent passing it is. And, and also, Colter, how much about just the number of plays? I mean, number from, of plays, sure. from it, in this past decade, certainly compared to the previous one, and if you want to go back into the 90s, it's it's not even close. I mean, you're... A, a, a game that was played in 1995, you would need to play six quarters to get just the reps that you get in basically four quarters now, and 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 that is meaningful, you know. Yes. And, and to try and sort of assess, okay, well, what does what does a thousand yards translate to now? Mm-hmm. Just when you talk about the, the 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 way the game has changed, because it's not reflective of the mm-hmm. skill per se, mm-hmm. uh, c- comparatively, a guy that went for 790. In the 90s, monster. Totally. Uh, I think that also, I think there's only been three, maybe four thousand yard receiving seasons in Montana State history. Yeah. And so, um, and none of the receivers on this list got there. And I think that it, it's indicative of the fact that both these programs, when you talk about feature receivers, there's been way more feature receivers this decade than last decade. I mean, you look at Montana, for example, during the height of the Bobby Houck days, I mean, 2007, between 2006 and 2009, you had Ryan Bagley, Mark Mariani, Ty Palmer, um, Jabin Zambrano, Eric Allen, Craig Chambers. I mean, they were spreading the ball all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you had guys that were very talented that in, in other systems, would have been I, I mean, every single guy at his name would have had yeah. 80 catches and 1,000 yards at right. most places, but they were all playing with each other, and yeah. it was all sacrificing for each other. But you know, I think that's another thing that's evolved is just the, the prevalence of the feature receiver. I want to ask you, I know, I know you, you skimmed these things, but the, the one that I really went back and forth was all the linebackers. And I think that we talked about this before the show, but you look at my four choices for Grizz linebacker. Caleb McSurdy, who's the 2011 Defensive Player of the Year. Jordan Tripp and Brock Coyle, who played as seniors together on the 2013 team before both going to the NFL. McSurdy went to the NFL, too, but blew his Achilles, and mm-hmm. that was kind of case closed on his career. Mm-hmm. And then Dante Olson was the other one. Do you have any objections, or what do you think of the fact that, with in the case of Brock and Jordy, for example, those two guys both had great Grizz careers, and they were fortified by the fact that they played in the league for several years. What do you think of just the the end of their careers really fortifying the beginning? It matters, man. Like it it it, it does. You are um, at from 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 schools in the state of Montana. What you are remembered as as a player at the school immediately goes to legendary status the minute you are playing in an NFL game. Uh, and I mean, people are. People are tuning in to watch. I, I, I remember. I remember when Paul Pluslesny, Pluslesky, uh, was injured, mm-hmm. and Jordy Tripp got his first start for the Jacksonville Jaguars at Mike linebacker, and it was Week 15 of a bad football team and Jags Dolphins or whatever, and I was locked in, man, to watch. You know. A hometown guy, a Montana guy, play in the NFL in in a in a meet like you know right there starting you know, and that is that is uh, significant to the way that we remember these guys and think about them. And I don't know whether it should be or shouldn't be when you're talking about the all decade teams for the schools, but it, it's real. I think it's real. So we'll continue this conversation uh, a little later on. 
You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. We're happy to welcome welcome in a uh, freshman, uh, soon to be freshman at Montana State University, Brody Greeby from Muscle Shell, Montana. Originally played six man at Melstone. Brody, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Pretty good. How about yourself? Well, we're doing great. We appreciate you taking the time out and being with us here. And Brody, you got. A very interesting story here heading into your uh, college playing at Montana State, starting off with six-man uh, football, but then heading into uh, uh, go play prep uh, football for Choate Rosemary Hall. How did that all come about for you? It was kind of a weird deal, actually. Um, I was kind of I was deciding if I wanted to go to play football last year, basketball, track, rodeo. I didn't really know for sure exactly what I wanted to do. And um, I got a hold of some guy got a hold of me, actually, and introduced me to these prep schools. And I didn't have any idea that these things were um, even a thing. And he talked to me about it, and he said, yeah, you can come go to a prep school for a year after you've already graduated high school, not use any of your college eligibility, and um, get a great education while you're at it. And I was like, well, if I don't really know what I want to do yet, it might be a good way for me to figure out exactly what I want to do for sure, whether it be um, basketball or football or whatever. So um, ended up going out there, loved the football part of it, and um, decided that's what I wanted to do for the next four years. And I had a great, great time while I was out there. Take us through your last couple years of high school, because you were kind of all over the place, playing Class B football at Roundup, but then playing basketball at Melstone. So, and I know your hometown's listed as Roundup, but Melstone's just up the road, but then there's some places on the Internet that say you're from Muscle Shell. So, Take us through just all the details. Where did you actually live, and what was the last year of your high school uh, career like, kind of playing at multiple different places, multiple different sports? Yeah, so um, I actually live out of Melstone, like 25 miles. Um, play Melstone as my home. Um, play football for Roundup. Roundup's like 35 miles from Melstone. I'm another... I'm 25 miles on the other side, so I'm going about 60 miles every day for football. Wow. Um, while I was doing rodeo in the fall as well. And then move on from football into basketball season, come back to Melstone where I'm playing basketball for my dad. He's the coach. And um, 
get done with rodeo season, so I'm just doing basketball in the winter. Then go into the spring where I'm doing um, track and rodeo as well again, and track for Millstone. And we had pretty good seasons in football. My last couple years, we went to the playoffs every year. Um, my senior year, we beat Cut Bank in the first round. Ended up losing in the second in basketball. Went to the state tournament my uh, junior senior year. Got third my junior year and um, lost in a Saturday morning game. Um, lost in the semifinals um, my senior year. And then in track, I ended up winning three state titles in the long jump, triple jump, and shot put. And then um, got second in 100. I um, was coming in first in the prelims of the 200-meter dash and ended up false starting, which um, was a bummer because I had a chance to win that one as well. Um, decided that I wasn't going to be able to do um, rodeo my senior year, which was a bummer. And, um, yeah, I just finished it out. I had to go to Choate um, this fall. Went right into football in August. Had a pretty good season. Went five and three, I think. Um, earned uh, all NEPSAC, which is a New England football league that they're in, honors. And went into basketball. Hit a game winner in one of our games. Um, I think we were five and three when I was out there in basketball my first couple games and uh, ended up signing to Bozeman and now I'm back home full time so now Brody there's a lot there first of all I think that's why they teach kids to start driving at 11 years of age on the east side because <laughs> when you gotta go 60 miles one way I mean I don't know I know your dad's the coach a little bit but I don't know if they want to cart you around like that that's incredible <laughs> now what I, I want to know this though what was your ro- what's your rodeo background what did you what were you doing what events were you doing in the rodeo and uh, uh, when you were when you were participating yeah so I've always I've grown up on a ranch live on a family ranch my whole life um, my grandpa rodeoed, my dad rodeoed. So I grew up riding horses. I grew up rodeoing from a young age and it just, um, kind of transitioned right into high school. Um, I went to the national finals rodeo. I qualified for the state of Montana and went down to, um, Wyoming, my, um, sophomore and junior years. And that was in uh, the calf roping my sophomore year and the steer wrestling my junior year. And I did um, calf roping, steer wrestling, and team roping um, when I was rodeoing. Having so much sports experience and doing it all over the state and all over the country, take us through your recruiting process at Montana State. Then, Obviously, Montana State probably was on your radar when you were still living in Montana. But when did they first start talking to you? Was it in high school or was it after the prep school? And what, what helped you go from round up to Connecticut, and then now here you are going back to Bozeman. Yeah, so um, I have been, I've been getting recruited um, by Montana State, University of Montana, um, for football for a while now, since like my sophomore year, actually. Um, been going to camps, um, talking to them on the phone and stuff like that, 
And um, so I've been in constant contact pretty much all the way since sophomore, junior years, all the way until um, now. And just I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I didn't know if I wanted to play basketball, which um, that was kind of one of their worries is I never really had settled down to play one sport. And they didn't know exactly what, how much love I had for football. And if I wanted to play basketball in college or what the deal was with that. So I had football offers. I had um, basketball offers, um, NAIA for basketball, like the frontier schools, um, some out-of-state schools like Colorado School of Mines and stuff like that. And for rodeo as well, there was a couple of, I was actually talking to some of the Montana State coaches and University of Montana coaches for rodeo as well. Um, but eventually I just decided that, um, going to Choate out to Connecticut for, um, one year, which ended up only being a half, uh, was going to be the best decision for me to see if I, if I was going to be able to leave Montana, if I would like it living somewhere else and exactly what sport I wanted to do in college and what I was going to be most happy doing. Brody Greeby joining us. He's, uh, Moving, uh, well, it has moved now to Bozeman to uh, play football at Montana State. We'll be uh, starting school here in the next week or so there. And, Brody, we just got a couple of minutes left with you, but I, I want to know because it's such an interesting transition to go from rural ranch, eastern Montana to Connecticut of all places. And if I'm not mistaken, you had a bunch of offers to play in the Ivy League as well, which you passed on to come back to Montana. What was it like for you just life-wise in Connecticut to be you know, on the East Coast or certainly in, in, in the eastern side of the country? Yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. Um, going out there, never never really being away from Montana a whole lot, um, just for short periods of time and stuff. Um, but going out there, um, finding out my true self pretty much was the main thing. And um, learning like the culture out there and also teaching them about my culture. Um, a lot of the kids, a lot of my friends out there, we're just blown away when I tell them about some of the stuff that we do out here and yeah. how I grew up. And that's just, it's amazing to them. And like, um, having friends that grow, grew up in downtown Manhattan, living in, um, apartments that are like multi-million dollar and stuff like that. It's just, it's incredible to, see the different walks of life that come through those schools and stuff like that. Now, multi-million dollar Manhattan doesn't mean nice, by the way. <laughs> it's still, still flooding, still rat infest. Uh, last thing for you here, how did you choose to go to Montana State? It's got to be more than just the name, right? You were like, well, I'm at Choate yeah. Academy. I got to go play for Jeff Choate. But what was it ultimately that, that swayed the table for you to go to Bozeman? Yeah, like you said, I had um, some of those other offers, like those um, Ivy League, the um, academies I was offered by Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, Cornell, um, Army West Point, um, Air Force, uh, Holy Cross, a um, bunch of schools out there. Came back with probably uh, 10 or 15 offers, but at the end of the day, it mostly came down to um, just the love of Montana and being able to come home and play in front of my family and friends and home state. It's just, there's nothing like it coming back. And like when I tell people about Montana, it's all, it's a small community, the whole state. Um, it might be a big area, but every, it's a whole tight knit 
um, community and everyone's going to have my back. So um, that was just the main thing. Well, Brody, that's that's awesome, man. Uh, we're we're excited to uh, watch you play here in the forthcoming years, and excited for you uh, there at Montana State, and look forward to this. It's a, it's already been a great story, and uh, and may it continue on as you go through uh, the college years. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. You got it, Brody Greeby. I mean. What do you say? 10 out of 10, Coulter, right? <laughs> there's, Does it get better than that? There's been a very small handful of guys that have played football and dabbled in basketball. Dan Bowden comes to mind when Wayne Tinkle was the basketball coach and Bobby Hawk was the football coach. There's been some guys uh, across the Big Sky Conference that have done football and track. Wouldn't that be something if there was a kid who was a rodeo slash football oh, guy? I mean, Montana State... W- w- we don't give the rodeo program enough love at Montana mm. State. I mean, these this is nationally elite. They won national championships in no rodeo, doubt. and uh, I don't I don't think that uh, Choate's going to let anybody skip uh, spring ball to do uh, calf roping. But you never know. But uh, I mean, talk about a kid that bet on himself. What a great story, right? I mean, didn't let the small school stigma hold him back. Wanted to find what he really loved, and then went and found it across the country. And now, well, to take the time to do it too. I right. mean, it, you know, to to take a year to find out about the prep school. Go, okay, I'm gonna I'm moving to Connecticut. Let's see what goes on here. It's amazing, you know. And and uh, there's nothing like leaving home and coming back to it. You know, that's it's uh, it it changes its complexion dramatically for the better when you're from a, a place like Montana. It seems to me. Uh, so that's fantastic. Yeah, pretty good to be offered by the Frontier Conference for basketball, and also the whole Ivy League. I believe he named all of them. I believe that retrospectively, after, so this kid, he he was a good prospect coming out of his senior year of football, and then after his senior year of basketball, he dropped 50 in a game. I don't care what level of basketball you're playing. You score 50 points in a high school basketball game, that's ridiculous. Pretty good. He ended up with 2,500 points in basketball, and then went out and smashed this Class C track meet with really legitimate times, no matter what level you're talking about. And so... His recruiting continued to blow up, continued to blow up. But I think it's it's cool that he found which element that he loves. But I mean, he picked up a basketball offer from Danny Sprinkle late on as well. So I mean, he's not just a really good basketball player; he's a Division One caliber basketball right, player, right. and he's a Division One caliber football player as well. So, and I think he's probably a Division One caliber rodeo guy. One would bet. So, uh, kids that grow up on ranches in Montana with agricultural rural backgrounds and rodeo skills, rodeo toughness, and also football abilities, those are pretty good prospects to have yeah. in your program. Yeah, pretty good. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online 
all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. You can also check us out on YouTube. You know, we're there on the YouTube. You can watch us live on YouTube. Follow the uh, or subscribe to the Two Tell Nuwanda's YouTube channel. You can also, of course, watch it archived after the fact as well. Uh, you know, listen to it live, then watch how it actually transpired. Watch me knock over a full glass of water in the first segment of the show. All of those things is only available with the visual element of uh, of what you get. Anyhow, we uh, take <laughs> a just, look. You're just taking care of your clients, right? That's right. Give yeah. Town Pump some extra exposure. Thanks, Town Pump. Knock. And it's an indestructible glass. They knew what they were going to be like. We're going to give Tutel and Nuanas the studio cups. We better make them out of titanium. And they've done it. So it's the best, the best cup in the game right there from Town Pump. Uh, Coulter, uh, we were c- c- having a conversation. You did the all-decade teams for Montana, Montana State, offensive and defensive uh, teams uh, at SkylineSportsMT.com. And we were having a conversation that covered a whole bunch of area, and we sort of started uh, a conversation about linebackers, but I know that you had a couple more thoughts about the linebackers in particular. Well, I mean, first of all, I think the official statistic was um, 13 of the top 22 tacklers in Montana history have played in the last 10 years, including... Most many guys that played linebacker, mm-hmm. and Dante Olson set the program record for all-time tackles in a career, and he basically did it in two years. But Montana had first-team all-league selections that did not make our all-decade all team, like J.P. Kanagata, Herbert Gamboa, Kendrick Van Akron, Jeremiah Kose was a uh, second and third-team selections his two years at Montana. Josh Buss, Connor Strom, uh, James Banks had, had a pretty prolific two years after he transferred from UAB. So I guess I just wanted to ask you, we talked, you made a point about just kind of the retrospective nature of analyzing guys like Jordan Tripp, Caleb McSurdy, and Brock Coyle after their careers are over because they made it to the NFL, and that obviously is a feather in your cap. And I think that was the other, you asked me what I learned, I think that was the other thing is just that even though I think that Montana State, quote-unquote, won the decade yeah. in terms of success, I mean, they had four or three Big Sky titles and and six playoff appearances to Montana's no Big Sky titles officially and four playoff or five playoff appearances. Excuse me. Yeah, I think Montana State ended up winning two more games than Montana this decade, but Montana produced much more future pros, and that's been the case. I mean, Montana's done as good a job as anybody the last twenty years in the Big Sky Conference of producing pro players. But you watched every other of the guys I just named play as well. JP Canagata, Herbert Gambo, Kendrick yep. Van Akron. So any of those guys that maybe should have been on the list or sneaks up there or or I mean is it too hard to beat out the four that I had on there? Well I don't think I, I don't think that the four that you have on there are beat out. I do think that, that KVA gets a little be I do think that it matters that he didn't play in the NFL as it pertains to this list. Like if you yeah. if he if he had gone on to play, you know, NFL football, you know, special teams, whatever, then all of a sudden what he actually was on the field, which was one of the monster tacklers that Montana's ever had, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think is also now all of a sudden you go, well, how can you leave him off? Like, I, I, here's what I think. I think when you look at uh, uh, the all-conference stuff or whatever, but just what they were on the field, what these players were on the field, when you're talking about what is the litmus by which 
I I got to, I can't leave a guy off of this list. I do think that some of that is the NFL part of it. And but I I mean Kendrick Van Akron played quarterback at Bellevue High School, right? People, and then came in, and the next thing you know, it's just fill gap after fill gap after fill gap, tackle, tackle, tackle. I mean, he he was he was just unbelievably talented kid, uh, and uh, and he's been coaching now too, right? Oh yeah, he he was a grass assistant at Montana State yep. of all places, yep. and now he's at Oregon State. Right, right. So I mean, he's he's. Uh, He's an up and comer in that side of things as well, but uh, and I'll say, but can I argue with your list? No, I cannot. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park. We have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 